Welcome, dear listener. This is podcast number seven. Uh, it's been a while since we recorded podcast number six. Uh, the last one was on uh, around Christmas. It was indeed. And yes. now it's March. What happened? Well, a lot of things happened in between. Um, and uh, Tom, why don't you give me kind of a helicopter view of your past Three months. My past three months. Wow. Uh, lots of highlights, lots of uh, work, uh, keeping myself uh, fairly busy. Uh, lots of things on storytelling, uh, pitching. I covered pitching in one of the previous uh, podcasts. If you missed that one, go check it out. It's still online. Uh, lots of things uh, to do with talking to people. I moderated a couple of really interesting talks uh, with some fascinating people on on topics like uh, mental well-being and uh, and so really really uh, interesting rendezvous and then meeting people so I had a really good couple of months and uh, Hans what what Perfect. happened in your world well I had a lot of fun as well of course um, because life is all about having fun at least in the way I experience it. I traveled a bit. I went out skiing with my son. I did a fantastic city trip for the second time to Rome. Absolutely stunning city. city. And since the theme of today will be about stories, well, Rome is definitely a city in which every brick in every house hides one of the other fascinating stories. So definitely worth doing. Uh, and I also had the pleasure to host a few workshops on communication, on um, on team building and team communication. So, and again, in, in each of these occasions, it's quite obvious that it's all about stories, stories that we live by, stories that we hear, stories that influence us, that inspire us, and which is why I think, and you will probably agree, uh, since you nod your head in a positive way, that topics, the topic of today might well be stories and the importance of stories and how how we can use them, what we can do with them, and why they are so strategic in our lives. What we, we, we live by stories. We live due to stories, and we live by stories, and we live in stories, and maybe we live in the Matrix. Who knows? It's never a mystery. Know. You, you, you will never know until there's a glitch in the Matrix, and then it's... Yeah. All obvious all of a sudden, uh, not going too much sci-fi, but anyway. But we do live by stories, so we tell stories. We've always told stories from yeah. very, very early on. And maybe it's, it's good to start off with uh, maybe looking at what a story actually is and what it does and why we tell yeah. stories. Because you, as you say, we go back like millions of years where mm -hmm. the first stories were actually told by making drawings on walls of caves. Uh, yes, and, and, yeah. and that is one of the, the first misconceptions that mm -hmm. stories are only words, but you can have visual stories. Anybody who has ever read a comic book, that's a visual story that you've read. So uh, it's, it's uh, a story is a way to get a certain message across mm -hmm. in a certain format. It, today, it's a, in lots of cases, it's a, words, but it could be images as well. 
And the really strong thing about a story is that it triggers your visual brain does, yeah. part. Absolutely. And that is why if you, if you tell a really good story, you can paint a visual image, uh, an, an, a, an image in somebody else's mind. And that image is kind of what holds together the story. And images mm -hmm. are actually gateways into the emotional part of your brain. Yeah. So a good story will trigger some kind of emotion. It might be a positive emotion or it might be a negative emotion. But that interpretation of what the story means, that's always very, very individual. Yeah, that's cool. And as you say, it, it's highly visual. It's what happens in dreams as well. Mm -hmm. Dreams are an, uh, an accumulation of images and associations to process everything that has not been processed in that same 12 hours between your last sleep and the current one. Yeah. So, and this is also about stories. It's about um, not that much about words because the place in our brains where the words are actually created is just a very tiny little bit of, of a huge array of neurons and, and synapses. And so in the end, the language part is just like the conveyor belt for some kind of storytelling. And the ultimate purpose is to, to generate images and associations in the heads of mm -hmm. those who are listening to the stories. Yeah. Which is why, and this is something I, I definitely learned throughout the past years, working with stories and storytelling. A story does not or almost never need an explanation. You know, I used to hear people, and I used to do it myself as well, I tell something and then explain the morale of the stories, of what's in it now for you. Yeah, I mean, I just dropped it ages ago now to tell a story and, and the story lives it live. And, and as you say, in, in some heads, it will trigger something. In other heads, it won't trigger anything at all. Maybe an emotion, maybe an action. Uh, but we have to let the story live the life it, it's supposed to live or not supposed to live. It doesn't matter. And the pitfall there is that you indeed try to explain it if you're standing in front of an audience and you're telling a story and you see half of the room not really getting it and the other half having some kind of aha moment, then it's very tempting to say, well, for those who didn't understand it, here's what I was trying to say. But First of all, you dumb down on all these people. You sure. say, well, apparently you're too stupid to understand what I'm saying here. So I'll, yeah. I'll say very simple with very simple words. No, that, that, that is a, a very bad thing to do when you, you dumb down on your audience. Yeah. So the, the story itself has the message yeah. that it, that it carries. Yeah. And uh, like you said, it's a, the, the story is, is kind of a conveyor belt for, mm -hmm what you're trying to convey. Yeah. Uh, and see what the, I did there? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> in one of the recent uh, workshops, because what you convey is, is a, a piece of data, and it's up to the people who listen to search the meaning that mm. the data has to them. And I remember one of the exercises we did, and, and maybe for the listeners, it might, might be a good thing to try out in, in, in your private lives or professional lives. So you, you sit in front of someone and you ask that person to look you straight in the eyes and, and you start telling a story, whatever story, it doesn't matter. And every now and then you just ask a little question to get some feedback and the, you challenge the person not to move their eyes and you look for how long they can do that. 
in general, if you ask several questions, 30 seconds will be really the high maximum. And what it shows is that I tell a message or I tell a story in which there are elements and the one who is listening is at one moment going to look for a meaning. It's what we referred to in previous podcasts as the transderivational search. So you are either going to look in your past experiences, in your emotions, in your future um, for visualizations, for sounds, for impressions that match what you hear. And this is a very interesting thing to, um, to open also the theme of IQs and where do you look for information? And is it something you've experienced? Is it something you are inventing? Is it something you are emotionally involved with or rather distant away from? So mission here, tell a story to someone, ask them not to move their eyes and take your uh, stopwatch and think how long it lasts. But in general, people will start looking for a meaning. And once they do, you know that somewhere your story has an impact. Don't be bothered about one impact, but it does something. And that's the most important thing. Yes, and especially asking these uh, open questions, not to close mm-hmm. the question, but open questions that start with a question word. And that might even speed up the process of, of getting these IQs. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. it, it, it gives you a lot of information about how somebody is wired internally. Yeah. Uh, like uh, most of the people are visually, uh, mainly visual uh, in, in terms of the way they interpret yeah. data. And you can see that the, the eyes go up and, and uh, yeah. that gives you lots of information on how they are wired. And you can then use that because for those people, the words imagine, for instance, yeah. are a very strong trigger. Uh, while if you uh, have person that is more auditive mm-hmm. uh, you could use other words like uh, listen up yeah. and that will trigger their attention rather than imagine which is a visual word yeah. so you can play around in which uh, kind of word you choose yeah. in order to trigger yeah. certain people so like uh, light cues mm-hmm. come on i use i recently I used it in the i was at um I think a, a local Rotary Club for a speech on the, on NLP is one of the topics. And so I, before that, there was a dinner. I'm talking to a guy and, and I'm asking him a few questions and I really specifically noticed the eye movements. And then at one point in time, I said, you were really quite emotionally involved in, in that topic. And he looked at me and said, how do you know? And I just said, I just noticed. But the thing is, if you notice it and you use it, it increases the attention on the other side because people say, wow, <laughs> what's happening here? I should be really very attentive now and, and attentive and, and listen to what's coming next because there's something, maybe something useful or interesting. And so it raises the attention to, to use the resource um, of the IQs, for instance. Depending on whether you want this or something, in the context of giving a talk about NLP, it's, it's really interesting yeah. to give. Yeah. Those kind of examples, if, if you're just in a coaching session, just observe yeah. the IQs, uh, interpret them, uh, yeah. take them further on in, in your story and, uh, and use the information you have yeah. at hand yeah. without explaining it. So yeah. A magician won't explain what he is doing. really doesn't bad. need any explanation. No, either, no. So it's, it's uh, an automatic thing to, yeah. to happen. And, and a joke is a story by itself. 
yeah. that you don't explain. So no. anybody who has ever told a joke <laughs> and then tries to explain it, you, you have seen the effect of that. Yeah. You shouldn't do that with yeah. stories either. So actually, you should trust in the story or have mm-hmm. faith in the story that, and, and let it land the way it lands. And it shouldn't be your way. It's mainly the way of your audience. That's what matters. And uh, just let the story be the story. And yeah. in some cases, a story is a story. And in some cases, a story is just a story. Yeah. Yeah, and, and both cases and both cases are right. are <laughs> right and correct and and okay and whatever yeah. you wanna you wanna call. But as you mentioned earlier, we, we uh, our whole society is built on stories, uh, both mythical ones, but also religious ones and, and political ones. So these are all kind of stories that determine the big system and and the, the trends and the processes and the behavior of large groups of people. Um, and what is interesting is that if you size that down to your own personal life as an individual uh, and you, you start being aware of the stories that decide your behavior, then storytelling becomes even a more vast array and area of, of really stuff to discover. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting skill set to have because you can, if you're really good at telling stories, First of all, you are able to tell stories in such a way that people are fascinating by what you say, yeah. but especially by how you say it. But that's technique. You can learn that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have trainings for that. But secondly, you learn when to apply which story. Yeah. And that is even more strong if you are able to tell a good story, but know exactly at what moment you should tell which story and the the great speakers in history are able to tell stories at the exact right yeah. time and and in such a way that you're absolutely mesmerized yeah. in and they include a f- oh, yeah. vast audience yeah. Yeah, yeah. Individual. and we, we've always done that and, and throughout history from the, the cave drawings up until the, the Greek mythology and the Roman mythology, any religious publication, whether it's the Bible, the Quran, or any other book, uh, without judging anything about uh, people who read these stories, uh, is, uh, is, is just a bundle of stories to make certain things acceptable, but also to convey certain messages, to get a value frame across and in some cases, you interpret these stories as real. In other cases, you interpret these stories as being the value they provide at that moment. And uh, all of these interpretations are purely individual. So. Yeah, absolutely. And yet they create a community, sense of community mm-hmm. as well. So, so another powerful thing about stories that if you include a group of people who kind of feel your story in the same way or experience it in a similar way, you create a community of people that you can then take to the next level in whatever the purpose of the of, of the intention behind you telling the story is, if there is an intention. And that's another interesting... Yeah, sometimes there, there is yeah. no real intention. There is no morale of the story. There's just the story. The facts. The the, 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 yeah. the, and the way in which you then tell it as a story is maybe just entertainment. Yeah. That's what we've always done as well. We've told stories around the campfire, mostly heroic stories. And the more the story was told, the more heroic it got. And 
the bigger the mammoth was at the end. And in the beginning, you killed the mammoth with a spear. And at the end, you killed it with your bare hands. And and you grew half an inch or two inches or whatever. It doesn't yeah. matter. And, and especially if people start telling the story uh, for you, it becomes even stronger. They, yeah. they call that uh, fish stories or yeah. fishing yeah. stories. It's actually, it's, it's most of the time it has to do with um, rephrasing memories mm-hmm. and, and telling stories about memories. And every time you, you retrieve a memory and you talk about it, you rewrite the memory. Yeah. And it becomes like something woo. You <laughs> cannot you rationally take, <laughs> take a memory from your brain and use it as base for a story and then restore the memory in your brain unaltered. That's impossible. Yep. Yep. The, the, the memory changes by uh, re- reliving that experience and it alters all the time. Yep. The funny thing is that your brain has no clue anymore of what is real and what isn't. So it might be that you tell a story so many times that it becomes a reality, mm-hmm. at least for your mind. It may have never happened, but that fish yep. actually was six feet long and it took me four hours to wheel it in. Yep. While in real life, it maybe took you half an hour and it was kind of the size of a sardine, which Maybe. is, yeah, yeah, which is uh, just a real experience, but your brain yeah. experiences yeah. completely differently. Mm-hmm. So stories are fascinating ways in which you convey that message, and we we've done that, for instance, with the mythical stories, are ways in which you grasp uh, unexplainable things in such a way that all of a sudden they start making sense. Uh, for instance, suppose you uh, you had a time traveling machine, mm-hmm. and with the knowledge you currently have, you are flashed back into time a thousand years ago with some uh, tribe living in Germany, and there's a thunderstorm going on, and everybody is scared of the thunderstorm because they are afraid of it. And what you then do with your current knowledge, you say, "Well, don't worry, guys, it's just a thunderstorm." It's just a charge between clouds and the earth, and one is positive and the other one is negative, and that gives electricity. It's just a, a, a charge that you mm-hmm. see, and that electricity is a spark, and that spark is the light that you see. And uh, because that spark uh, kind of comes down on the earth, that's the thunder, it's that spark going through the air, and the molecules of the air crashing against one another, that's a thunder. But don't worry if you just count how many seconds after the yeah. the, the, the flash of the lightning, uh, you count the, the number of seconds, no, that is the distance of blah, 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 blah. That has to do with speed of light and yeah. speed of sound. And that is all maybe, because that's also a story we're telling yeah. now, uh, maybe that's the correct rational story yeah. behind that. Once then, you know all the, the physics... Several yes, mechanics, but maybe those are stories as well. Maybe, maybe. Uh, or maybe not. We don't know. But if uh, for those people, it was uh, it was not acceptable as a story because you probably would have ended up as being called a witch and you would have been burned. Yeah. Because uh, that was not acceptable. What was more acceptable that apparently they did something wrong 
they made some kind of God very angry, and that God had a big hammer and he was pounding on a big block of steel, and you could see the spark coming off, and the thunder was kind of the hammer coming down, and that was acceptable. So how do we solve that? How can we please the God again? We offer a goat or something. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's also these stories are also driven most of the time by people who are more or less in charge of something mm-hmm. because it's um, as you, as we saw with the IQs were consistently looking for meaning, and the most convincing story that has the emotional elements, the rational elements, and that plays on on certain triggers in us will probably make it. And so if someone comes with like a story where everybody says like, hmm, you have to watch out, it makes sense. Then indeed, we have to offer a goal, but we also have to live by certain rules and we should respect blah, 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 or we should go and kill opponents. Whatever the triggers are, mm-hmm. are very often driven by that. the story, yeah. without the story necessarily being wrong or right. So the, the story is the carrier of the yeah. message. And so uh, if, if, if somebody interprets that certain story in, in a certain way, that becomes the action triggered yeah. by that story. And that's because stories are uh, processed in our limbic brain, yeah. uh, which is the emotional part. Mm-hmm. So automatically you get an emotional response. And that could be fear, that could be anger, that could be rage, it could be also Sadness. excitement, yeah. Yeah. very Sadness. positive yeah. emotions. Yeah. And all of these emotions are just the effect of telling yeah. that story. And the way we, we give meaning to it, or we see people around us giving meaning to it. Yeah. Yes, because also stories in a group can yeah. become a, a sort of yeah. living thing. And good stories yeah. have the power of being told over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, and that's what good movies do. They, they tell a story that is uh, where people are also almost uh, intentionally pushed to retell the story to somebody mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Imagine a story in which you, uh, you uh, see somebody riding a bicycle going from A to B. Mm-hmm. And he leaves at point A and he arrives at point B. End of movie. Yeah. Nothing That's happened. Amazing. Absolutely. Nobody would go and see that that movie. Well, maybe well, maybe they would. Maybe they everybody would. would say like, "I haven't seen anything, but go out and watch it. Maybe I missed something, and I would yeah. like to. Yeah. I, I'm curious to find out what you think and what you feel." Yeah, it would be a good experiment yeah. to make a yeah. seven-minute movie. There, there is a movie dinner with I've forgotten the, the exact title. But I will put it in the notes. And it's about two guys just having dinner, one and a half hour, just talking. Nothing happens. They just talk <laughs> about cats and cows and dogs and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing specific. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's a mythical movie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what's Albert or something. Like yeah. But there, there are indeed certain movies that, uh, that uh, kind of have a lot of tension in them and some others that just do the exact opposite uh, of, of those stories uh, and, and that have meaningless content because they're always yeah. content but it, apparently they don't mean anything by it. It's just the story is what it is. And it's the interpretation that is, uh, is, is really nice to see. And we've done that in many, many occasions. We've told stories where the meaning is just the interpretation. 
Yeah. If you look, for instance, one of the greatest storytellers in history were the Grimm brothers. Yeah. Uh, which, which, uh, was a series of stories which were really awful. Really, and the word is also a oh, grim story, yeah. a horror story, <laughs> a dark story, the grim story. Great series, by the way, which was called Grim, uh, on TV as well, where they used those stories sort of in a modern flavor. Mm -hmm. You could see all these mythical characters reappearing. But the, those were grim stories. And for instance, if you look at the story of Little Red Riding Hood, is mm -hmm. a grim story. Absolutely. And the way in which they told it was absolute horror. There's this yeah. little girl and she goes all alone into yeah. the woods to her grandmother, who is all alone, sick in her bed, nobody cares about her. Yeah. And then bad things happen in the forest. There's a wolf and he, the wolf eats Little Red Riding Hood and Horrifying. eats the, yeah. the grandmother and there's a hunter who then comes in and he cuts open the stomach of the wolf and sorry kids who are listening now uh, and he cuts open the, the the gut and he takes out the uh, the grandmother and the and the kid and mm -hmm. he puts bricks in there and then sews it back together and then the wolf stumbles out and he drowns yeah. in the pond end of story and then you have to say yeah. to your kids and now go to bed <laughs> yeah. well the it's it's a very dark story, but the, the morale of the story was uh, that bad things can happen in the woods, so don't go into the woods all by yourself. Yeah. Not try telling that to a kid. Whatever yeah. you do, do not go into the woods all alone. Yeah. By the time you have said all alone, it, the kid is already in the woods. <laughs> That's absolutely. So yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, only by putting a story around that where people have that interpretation of oh my god, it's apparently it's really risky to go into the woods. Let's not do that. And then they are the storytellers are just bystanders and say, well, yeah. it's your interpretation. So yeah, that's good. So the power of stories. So we have the stories that drive our society. We had stories that have like a meaningful message, like like do or don't. Uh, we've also been talking about the stories we tell ourselves, um, with or without any purpose. Um, and there's there's one thing with, with regard to the stories that we tell ourselves or to other people. Uh, in one of the previous podcasts, we've already referred to Robert Dilt's Logical Levels. Logical levels. For those of you who are not familiar with it, it's actually a model in which Diltz describes any situation or any change in six levels, starting at the bottom with environment and time. Then the second level is what happens. The third level is how it happens and what is required. The fourth level is what is important and what do people believe in. The fifth level is who is involved, what are the identities. And the sixth top level is what is it all for, what is the ultimate purpose for it to happen. Which is, by the way, a really good framework to tell a story. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you just, for adding just that. Just no, no, it's, 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 it, it has got all the ingredients and it both includes the rational and emotional elements. That's so true. And now what, what happens is that if, if people tell stories to themselves... There is the, it's either empowering stories or most of the time negative stories. Yes. I can't, I am a bad sleeper, I, I, I can't do that, um, I am an alcoholic, or he is an angry person, or he is difficult to work with. So it's always very often on this fifth level, which is a very difficult level to change. 
That's identity. Yeah, who change you are, your identity, yeah. who you are, is, is not that self-evident. So if you tell or you, you notice for yourself that you are telling yourselves negative stories or that you have the tendency to say, no, I won't be able to do it because I am a bad sleeper or I am someone who always postpones stuff. Forget about the I am. You can, you can as easily say like, I am a good sleeper, but for the last 15 years, sleeping hasn't been going that well. But actually, I'm a good sleeper. So then what, you, what happens is you tear down in the story that you tell yourself the item that you would preferably want to change to the second level, which is the one of behavior, which is very or fairly easy to, uh, to change. The other way around would be as perfect as well. Uh, I went out skiing, as I said, with my son. And... We were on the, the first day on the top of a, a mountain, and you know, you haven't been skiing for one year, so first day on the top, you say, Wow, is this red or dark red, or does that flirt with really, black? Really, really yeah. burgundy so, yeah. red. And so we're, we're standing there looking at one another like, Jesus, who's going to go first? And then my son said, You know what, Dad? We're going to be real champions in skiing. Let's take a moment and get really into the identity of we've done this for ages, we are good skiers, we have a good attitude, we know the movements, let's do this. And then we went down like in one smooth line without any incidents, and we were like really thrilled and excited when we were down there. And it was all just the other way around. We uplifted an action and a behavior to identity level in the story that we told mm -hmm. ourselves. And really, this works so well. Yeah. It's an empowering state that yeah. you bring yourself yeah. in. And we, we self-talk all the time. I, I often uh, have a question in the audience. Mm -hmm. uh, so how many people talk to themselves? And about 70 or 80% usually put up their hand and say, yeah, well. And then I say, well, the other 20% is probably now wondering, do I talk to myself? That is a very silly question. <laughs> Why would anybody talk to themselves? You, you don't do that. And when I then say that, they recognize, oh my God, yeah, I'm really, I'm talking to myself. But that's okay. We all have this alien in our head that is talking to ourselves. But since our brain is primarily looking for uh, things that could go wrong, mm -hmm. that's the way in which we are wired as a human being, uh, that little voice is often saying very negative things. Yeah. And it's, it's indeed taking the identity level away and putting it in behavior. Mm -hmm. That behavior can be changed. Identity is really difficult. It's, difficult. it's more difficult to change. And we yeah. see that uh, also in, in other uh, sectors. I, I work a lot in healthcare, as I've told mm -hmm. previous times as well, uh, where you now see a shift from uh, the patient being the disease to the patient having the disease. The disease. Yeah. Uh, you are not a diabetic you are somebody with diabetes. Yeah. You are not an obese person. You are somebody having yeah. obesity. Yeah. And um, that is, is maybe just a wording difference, but it makes a world of difference yeah. for these people. There's a great TV show now mm -hmm. called uh, Down the Road about people with some Down Dutch syndrome. Yeah. It's on Dutch yeah. tele uh, Flemish television. Uh, mm -hmm. And they take uh, seven or eight people mm -hmm. with uh, Down syndrome on a holiday, three-week holiday, and they, they just capture whatever happens. And at one point, there's a discussion uh, also around the campfire. 
where they start telling stories. And the topic of having Down syndrome comes up and uh, there's one guy saying, I don't have Down syndrome. And everybody else is looking at them. Yes, you do. That's why you're on this trip called mm-hmm. Down the Road. Uh, yeah, but I don't have that. And later on, he's talking with one of the, uh, the, the, the people, uh, the crew of the, of the crew and the, uh, the, the host of the, of the TV program. And he's saying, well, you just said that you don't have it. Why would you say that? Do you really think you don't have it? He says, yes, uh, I'm pretty sure I don't have Down syndrome. In first instance, I'm a human being. Mm-hmm. And that was so spot wow. on and very pure in how he said it. And that is actually the essence of taking a disease away from the individual level and just becoming just the a behavior. The, the, you, just, you are a human being yeah. and you just happen to have Down yeah. syndrome. And that changes the whole thing. And you can do that with yourself as well. Just sure. saying, I am not my disease, I am not my behavior, I just have, I have that behavior. Yeah. And once you start doing that, you can do it. That's exactly the thing I was thinking about. I'm, I'm listening to an audiobook by um, Freddie Jacquin on hypnotherapy, and one of the, the topics he highlights is uh, one of his protocols to uh, have support people in quitting uh, smoking. And, and one of the points he makes fits perfectly in the story we are telling. He says, like, smokers will very often say, I can't stop because I am addicted. I am addicted. And he says, you become now, your behavior. Yeah. And he says, like, first of all, let's, let's have a look at addiction. Uh, a smoker who would be addicted would become really unhandled. How, how would I put it? Would become completely impossible to handle if they would spend like one or two hours without a cigarette. They would kill for a cigarette. They would prostitute themselves for a cigarette. They would do totally unacceptable things to get that real, that cigarette, just like a heroin addict mm-hmm. or cocaine addict would do. But smokers, well, they can sleep smoothly for eight hours without waking up one single time and say, I need a cigarette. So, and there's other items he highlights in which he makes his point is you're not addicted. The story that goes around is, yeah, but you know, smokers are addicted to nicotine, which is a story that might well be driven by the smoking lobby, the tobacco industry, and maybe government because they all make a fortune out of people who smoke. So we all believe that we are addicted to nicotine, but actually we are not. We have just cultivated a bad habit. And the difference between I am addicted and I just have a bad habit of lightening up a cigarette 30 times a day is quite substantial. And it is less complicated to get rid of the bad habit than it is to change your addiction or your identity as being an addicted. I thought it was also a very nice example of how the story you tell yourself can impact the positive consequence yeah. of, of your choices. For, for, for changing uh, the, the person, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And even though if he might be physically addicted to nicotine, the way to get around that is not by restating that you are addicted to nicotine. Take it on the behavior level and try to fix it there. Even it might be that you are addicted purely physically and medically Mm -hmm. seen. Mm -hmm. Because that's always a discussion. What what is 
what is the real reason why somebody's going? Absolutely. That, that yeah. brings me back to my childhood. I had a teacher uh, in my, uh, oh my God, Ferry, in my flashback moment. Yeah. I have a flashback moment. <laughs> uh, embrace it, embrace it. Embrace it. <laughs> Um, well, I had a teacher who quit smoking at a certain uh, time, and he was actually uh, he continued to smoke, but he used these uh, chalks. Uh, we had a chalkboard yeah. in, in our classroom, <laughs> and he just smoked yeah. these chalks. So his calcium level was probably going through the roof. But he died of lung cancer a few years later. But it was <laughs> you know, he was okay. He was okay. Uh, but uh, he uh, he still had the same behavior. But only with a different uh, item yeah. or an object. Yeah. Indeed, it was not a cigarette; it was a piece of chalk. Yeah, it's, that's uh, it's cool. Yeah. So these were these are stories that can help you change. Uh, we've also had stories that inspire large communities and groups. We've had stories that uh, convey certain morale or a message. And and another type of stories I'm I'm thinking of is um, one that I experienced a couple of weeks ago. Um, in the studio where we are here, there is a, a bar a little bit around the corner where every month uh, I invite people to come over. And, and one guy recently said, uh, Hans, thank you. Uh, I'm so happy that I can join this community where we can chat without having an alcohol problem or a drugs problem or whatever. Uh, so, it's nothing anonymous. <laughs> no, it's nothing anonymous. It's just um, in a, a safe room where we where we all talk about life and then we bring up some models like we share in our podcasts, etc., and so the the last uh, gathering we had, uh, people were just, they didn't know one another. So we were just talking a little bit and then we all sat down. And then someone says, maybe we, we should introduce ourselves to the others. Who is going to start? And so the first one of the eight starts at about 8 p.m. Introducing himself and adds a little story to it, a little anecdote. Quite interesting. The second one copies and says, okay, I also will share a story. The third one adds even much more. He was interested in or passionate by history and, and digging up uh, old planes from World War II. And really, and so he tells this amazing story about something he had done with friends and he found back a V1 bomb that was shot from Germany onto the Antwerp harbor, but flew one minute too long and then hits. Um, uh, a playing ground in the neighborhood killing two uh, kids and then the story goes on and on and on and by 11.30 p.m. the eighth person started their story about who they were and what and this was so cool there was it was never meant to be conveying any message at all it were just stories out of life just the stuff that happens and yet everybody gave and found a personal value and meaning in there. There was one guy who said, if I go back to the V1 bomb, he says, like, I wonder how often I have flown just one minute too far and I missed my target and who I might have hurt by doing that. So, like, that's an hmm, interesting metaphor, an interesting way of, of, uh, of asking yourself this question. So, it was cool. And this was... Stories, just pure, pure stories, without any purpose, without any uh, intent or whatever. But even then, these stories became, for certain people, a Absolutely. metaphor, yeah. even though it was not intended yeah. by the yeah. person yeah. telling yeah. the story, and that can happen as well. Sure, yeah. which puts again the, 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 the focus on how important stories are. 
that even if you don't want to do anything with the story, just the fact of telling them implies wonderful things very often. Yeah. yeah. And you, you were also telling about another story uh, from the restaurant where you could yes. imply that is, people again, into uh, a certain yeah. emotional state. It would also be a good, a good way of, of using stories. If you see someone who is sad or someone comes and then talks about a problem, just tell a story that, that they will maybe recognize or be able to live in and, and look at how it changes their, their mental states. Uh, and, and the one you're referring to is, uh, I use it also during the workshop, but I was, I was doing a workshop in, in the, the Haute-Fagne, it's a region in Belgium uh, near the, the German border. And um, after the, the workshop, I had my wife with me, we went out to a very good restaurant uh, where they serve kind of tapas, small dishes, but quality of one, two stars. And so the, the last little dish I ordered was an, an entrecote. So you would expect a piece of meat, meat. and French fries yeah. and work. And so the previous four little dishes were like, mm, excellent. And then the fifth one comes, the entrecote, and they serve it in a little stone barbecue, but you know, not larger than 20 centimeters on, on maybe seven and a half with a little grill on top of it. And on top of the grill, they have put this bone, I think from a cow or maybe a pig. And then on that bone, a large bone, like two and a half centimeters, they have these four slices of entrecote topped off with some, some I think, fresh butter or anything, but and, and some fine spices. And so they, they put that little barbecue on the table. And so you, you hear the charcoal like, and then every now and then there's a drop of grease from the meat or juice. I would rather call it juice that like first touches the bone, then the grill, and then splatters through on the charcoal, creating a little bit of smoke that then spreads in the atmosphere of the restaurant, touches your nostrils, and you say, what the hell is going on here? And while you're looking at that piece of meat and the, the glowing charcoal underneath, you also see on the left side a plate they have just served with itsy bitsy, very fine hand cut French fries, but I've never seen them that fine and it, it was like human hair. And then this this array of green kind of pesto, but with some ingredients you would never associate with entrecote, but really surprising and, and giving you like mm, an enthusiastic feeling to at least taste it. And then a little little top of, of mayonnaise, homemade, served with, with even a lemon, so you kind of, but in a visual harmony, um, flattering and, and, and doing things with my nose, with my eyes, with my ears, even I'm, I'm sure I heard the charcoal, like, <laughs> and it was the best piece of meat I've ever had. And that is a story when you retell it, you take people on that journey and they relive it and you see people uh, just like you did you do yeah. if, if yeah. you listen carefully yeah. you can hear yeah. that Hans is reliving the moment to keep the water in my mouth yes yeah. yes yes and yeah. you you lick your yeah. lips uh, yeah. many occasions just by reliving that uh, yeah. tasting state yeah. of, yeah. Uh, of and it. now I have told the story but in the workshop I was referring to I had someone who was like a little bit sad or at least came over like being a little bit sad. I just invited the person to talk about a dish he really loved and, and 
how he ate it and how he experienced it. And while he was telling, first of all, it was a bit like awkward, like, oh, I have to talk about food. But then he really got into it, and you saw that guy, by telling the story to the audience, but also to himself, like, change mental states, like, in maybe less than one and a half minutes. Amazing. So the power of stories is really incredible. I have the feeling we haven't ended the topic of stories yet. Far from it. Uh, but the time this is, is uh, the, yeah, time is, is running. Yeah. Wow, it's already over 40 minutes. And yeah, then, yeah, when you're having fun. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, what about an empowering question to... Um, well, maybe an assignment. This an assignment. Time, an yes. assignment for you. is uh, For the next week or so, uh, doesn't matter, but just for the next couple of days, observe what kind of stories are being told around you or stories you tell yourself. And especially when you see people telling stories, try to look on why they are telling the story. Are they trying to get a message across? Is it just entertainment? Uh, are they trying to convince somebody? Maybe they are trying to convince themselves. Maybe they're telling themselves stories. But what is the positive intent behind that story? Why do they tell it? No judgment, just observation. And uh, learn from that whenever you see somebody tell a story. is uh, Just observe why are yeah. they telling that. Interesting mission. It's cool. a nice Thank mission. For, uh, for sharing that one. And another mission uh, that we would strongly invite you to abide by is visit a little big dot partners on the web. Uh, share our podcast as much as you can, like it, uh, talk about it. Um, and of course, don't forget to book us for keynotes, workshops, or any kind of inspiration you may need to, um, to tell better stories, to enjoy stories in a, a better way or a different way. Um, and any question is welcome at uh, info at littlebig.partners. So info yeah. at littlebig.partners. That's it for this podcast. Uh, next time it will be number eight. Mm -hmm. And see you there. And live happy lives. Bye. Bye. Little Big Backstage Sessions. Thank you for listening.